Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. This week's stirring message comes from community engagement pastor, Chad Johnson. Well, guys, we are in our second week um, of this new series called Taking It to the Streets. And if I can be honest with you, I really wrestled with what we should title this sermon. I really wanted to call it The Naked Man in the Graveyard, okay? But then I thought if you went to go search that on YouTube, you'd probably see something you couldn't unsee. So I chose not to go that route. So I called it Go Home instead, which is apt because we will be talking about the gospel going to the homes, right? However, tonight is, is going to be a little different because I'm not going to be talking about how the gospel uh, it needs to be taken into the home specifically, but rather why it's so hard to live it out, uh, live out the gospel in our homes. And I think we can all agree that it's important to live out the gospel in our homes. And unfortunately, we may have experienced the inconsistencies of some households that are quote-unquote Christians out in public, but anything but that in their homes, right? We have a generation of people who speak of hypocrisy from their parents leading them to leaving the faith because they, they didn't see a real picture of who Christ was, right? So if you're a parent of the faith in your home, Remember, your kids, your wife, whoever is near you in your home is trying to see Jesus in you, trying to hear Jesus in you, and hopefully trust in Jesus eventually by you. But unfortunately, we have become a people that outsource the spiritual development of our kids, perhaps even of our family. And and when we do that, we sometimes grow lax about it in our homes. Now, let me give you this simple illustration. Most of you guys may have heard this before to prove my point, though. My son, he's in third grade, right? He's bringing home uh, math homework. Now, some of us may have experienced this before, but the way that they do math now is not math. It's like art and, uh, and, and like a long stream of just, it just seems like it's over excessive to get to the point that we know just to be t- pretty, pretty instinct, right? However, I get so frustrated because I don't know how to do it the way their teacher wants them to do it. So I say, you know what? I'll let your teacher teach you. I can't help. I'm out. Right? And I just let them do it. No, I can't do that as a parent. I have to learn myself so I can help them. Right? Because if I don't learn it myself, I can't help and teach them in the home. And so it is with our own spiritual life and faith as well. Sure, teachers can teach a specific subject to a group of kids for uh, an hour or so, maybe a few days a week, but it is to the parents who, who is the real world connectors, if you will, with their child, right? Helping them connect the dots to what they are learning, to what they experience in their homes and every day with you. So as it is with talking or taking the gospel into our homes, the church may help teach it. Right? But the parent can connect the dots for the world that they live in day to day. Right? We have to do this thing in partnership. I love how H4K says, hey, we're a partner for you. It's not just them and your kids. It's them, you, and their kids. They do it together. So if it's important, then why do so few of us do it? And if we do it, why is it so hard? Well, I've already kind of given you one reason, which is it's the church's job. Some people would say that so they don't bring it into the home. But there are those, at least who have two other excuses or reasons commonly noted as well that I've come across over the years. One, I'm not a good enough person to do it, right? I can't, I'm not good enough to bring the gospel into my home. And two, I don't know enough. 
And that's sort of some of the things that we end up hearing, why we don't bring the gospel into our homes. Maybe you've said it yourself. Maybe you've heard someone say it before. And if so, we're in luck tonight. Because tonight I'm going to show you how simple this can actually be through the text that we're going to be looking at tonight. You see, all you need to know is three simple phrases, okay? Three simple phrases. And you can take the gospel anywhere, but especially into your homes. All right, you ready for this? Here we go. Repeat after me. Uh, there's, here we go. There's something wrong. Okay. Jesus showed up. And then something was changed forever. Right, let's do that one more time. There was something wrong. Jesus showed up. And something was changed forever. That's it. You can eventually, you can essentially read the whole New Testament, and that is what they're doing over and over again. Now, there are other things that are in there, but that's the basics of it, right? There was something wrong. Sin was killing man. Jesus showed up. Jesus took our sin. Something changed forever. Our sin forever dies with Jesus, right? There was something wrong. Death existed in this world. Jesus showed up. He defeated death. Something changed forever. Those in Christ live with him forever. You see how this plays out? So through these three phrases, you can simply share the gospel to speak to anyone around you. And if you have kids or if you're married or you have grandkids, you can do this even with them. So let's jump into our text and see how this actually plays out. Okay? So the very first thing is, what was wrong? In our text this evening, man is lost, he is naked, and he's alone. Right? In worship earlier, we read in Luke 8, 34 through 39. But let's go a little further back and start there. Remember, man was lost, naked, and alone. So we're going to pick up in Luke 8, 26 through 28. And it says, And then they sailed to the country, this is Jesus and the disciples, of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, naked, and he had not lived in a house, homeless, but among the tombs, the graveyards. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, after hearing that text, now you see why I wanted to call it the naked man in the graveyard. <laughs> I chose not. Thank God. Now, this moment also fascinates me for other reasons, though, because if you read on, you'll see that people were used to seeing this guy being naked and running around. It was a common thing for that neighborhood. So much so that they had to send guards to post watch over him because he was known for breaking through handcuffs and running naked into the desert. Could you imagine this? Like, let's put this in real life for a second. This is my ADHD. For, let me, let me kind of give you a peek into my unfortunate brain, okay? This is real life. This text is real. So could you imagine just driving through Memphis and just randomly always seeing this naked homeless man running down Poplar towards Memorial Park, right? That would kind of cause us to kind of be stirred. But then we're like, oh, that's just naked Joe. We'll call him naked Joe. That's just naked Joe, right? He won't mess with you if you won't mess with him. This is real life. This is what they were experiencing with this man. And let me just take a second to acknowledge a question about demons. We need to know we live in a spiritual world as much as we do a physical one. But the point of this passage is not to dissect demonology. 
I'm happy to talk about that with you on a one-on-one basis, but that's not what this message or this passage is about. The real point of this is being, the reason why it's in Scripture is because these demons, and I do mean demons, right? We find out further in the text, which we'll read in a minute, that they call themselves legion, for they are many. But the point is this. These demons, they know their place. Even though they outnumbered Jesus 1,000 to 1, they knew he was in control. This passage shows the authority of Christ. Man may have not seen it yet, but they knew exactly what's going on. So Jesus showed up, and all of this was under his authority, which leads us to the second point. What did Jesus do? He took charge, and he set free. You see in Luke 8, 29 through 33, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Right? They're looking forward to the day when Jesus says, done is done, and they cast him out. And they're wondering if is this is the moment. So now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter those instead. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. This is a crazy moment in our scripture. Jesus commanded, he took charge, he took his rightful place. See, it's, it's funny here too that Jesus gave them permission right, to go into the pigs. They couldn't just go wherever they wanted to go. He gave them permission. Don't miss this either. Jesus not only has the authority over demons, but also creation, man and animals. I recall the text in Hebrews 1, 3 through 4, if you're familiar with it. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature, unholding all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became as far superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is excellent beyond theirs. Jesus is the radiance of God, far superior than even the angels. He took his place and he took charge. You see, the the demons know their place and they knew they were not supposed to be in the man. But they couldn't just freely go to the pigs either. So Jesus allowed them to do so and comically sent them to their deaths anyways. This is such a funny moment in Scripture for me. I don't know why. Jesus sets this man free, and then he allows for all the pigs to fall into the water. Now, let me put this in a real moment here. Let's imagine again this ADHD brain that I'm... These pig herders, right? The people that were watching the pigs, they're just minding their own business, right? Trying to stay away from naked Joe, right? And then one day, this man gets out of a boat that they, they, they may not know that it's Jesus, but he gets out of the boat and he starts messing with naked Joe. I can imagine they're probably like, this guy has no clue what he's getting into, right? You don't think these herders don't think that naked Joe is about to go berserk on Jesus? They could have been nudging each other like, watch this, watch this. Then all of a sudden, naked Joe runs over to this stranger, Jesus, and falls down at his feet. Joe falls down at his feet at this man named Jesus and exchanged a few words. And these pig herders 
are just watching from afar. All they see is them exchanging words, and all of a sudden they start pointing over at them and their pigs. And Jesus just nods. And then all of a sudden, the pigs get spooked and start squealing and charging over each other, and then they run off the cliff into the lake. Guys, we read the portion earlier in our, in our worship, but these, these people were sitting here. They were, they were tending to the pigs. This is their job. The very pigs that they just randomly jumped into the water, Jesus sent into the water. They don't have a job anymore. All right, now they're panicking perhaps. Imagine them running to town asking one another, hey, uh, what are we going to tell our boss? Right? Hey, boss, uh, remember naked Joe? Well, guess what? He's not naked anymore. It's a miracle. Right? You've got to come see this. This man helped him. He's not the same person. Oh, and by the way, your pigs are dead. Come on, let's check it out, you know? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. This, there's this, this turmoil. For years they've known this guy, or at least for a long time they've known this guy has been there. So not only are they not without a job, the town's naked man in the graveyard is no longer naked. Everybody finds out. Now one day, naked Joe just becomes Joe. He's clothed, he's clean, and he's sitting at some man's feet near the tombs. Wouldn't you at least be a little curious, right? What happened? The scripture tell us that the town was curious and reverent even, declaring that this man has been saved. They could see it with their own eyes. They were reverent of the Son of God, doing what he does best, setting his people free. See, John 8, 36 even captures this in their own words of John. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Our man in the graveyard has found new life, new clothes, and a new direction. He has been set free. So what was wrong? He was lost and alone and naked. Jesus showed up. He took authority, and he freed him. So what changed? The man was found, clothed, and made whole. What changed? The man was found, clothed, and made whole. You see, the man was no longer who he used to be. Joe was no longer naked. He was no longer running around like a wild man in unclean places, in unclean ways. Even more so, the text tells us that Joe was now making sense. Some texts say that he was even in his right mind. The Greek word here is kind of like a play on words, almost like we would say something like, oh, he's got his head uh, on his shoulders, or you know, his head on straight, a good head on his shoulders. Now let's remember, though, our graveyard friend. He was naked, he was homeless, attacking people, and running to and from the desert in his birthday suit, okay? This is not someone you would describe as he has his head on straight. Yet after Jesus, after Jesus, he now has his head on straight. He has his senses back. He's aware. He's alert. He is whole. His old self was gone, and something new was beginning in him. I recall the words of Ephesians in 4, 22 through 25. It says, Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in keeping with the truth that is in Jesus to put off your former way of life, your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, the town folk could not argue with this in the life of their graveyard friend. He was once naked, 
and now he's clothed. He was once out of his mind, and now he is in his senses. His old self is gone, and he has been renewed in the spirit of his mind. But we find this too much for the town folk, right? They started out being amazed because the man had been saved, but then it turns out to be fearful, right? If Jesus can change this, if he can change this man, what else is he going to change or do, right? Joe is all better, but we lost all our pigs. What else is Jesus going to shake up? So they eventually asked Jesus to leave because too much change was happening. Interesting point here. Jesus abided. He was the Lord after all. He could have done whatever he wanted to, but he never forced himself into people's lives. They asked him to leave, and he began to get in his boat. But what about the man in the graveyard? He didn't have a place to go. No one wanted him. Could you imagine the shame that he felt when he came to his senses, knowing that everybody has seen everything physical about him, right? And now he's in his sanity, and he's speaking to them face to face. Could you imagine the shame or fear he may have felt? He asked Jesus if he can go with him, and Jesus told him no, and he sent him back. You see, our graveyard friend essentially asked Jesus, what now? What now? And Jesus tells him, go home. But he didn't just tell him, go home. He told him to go home and tell everything that God did in him. Go home and share the gospel. Go home and tell my story, who I am and what I've done for you. Go home and share what was wrong, that you were once lost, that I showed up, Jesus showed up, that I found you and I saved you, and now your life will never be the same. Guys, don't miss this. Did Jesus teach him theological terms? No. He didn't tell him to go into the Greek and learn all they were speaking these languages, but he didn't give him different languages, right? Did, did Jesus give him a prophetic message to go share? No. Did Jesus teach him anything at all out of the ordinary? No. Jesus simply rewrote his story. Something was wrong. Jesus showed up. And now his life was forever changed. And Jesus said, share that. Share that in your home. When someone says, well, I don't know enough, right? Going back to our excuses in the beginning. Or, or if you think that you don't know enough, stop and ask yourself these questions. Who was I before Jesus? What was my life like? What was I fearful of? What was I running from? What was I lost in? And then now ask, how does my life look after Jesus has called me his own? Right? When we answer these questions, what was I like before Jesus? What did Jesus do in my life? And what is my life now, even though I'm still growing in him? We get to share that. Sure, we can grow in biblical knowledge. Sure, we can grow in the theological terms. And those are important in its right place. But God didn't ask him, in Jesus' form, didn't ask him to go teach those things. He said, share what I have done in your life. Pastor Vincent shared last week in worship um, that the disciples shared something very similar. Over and over and over again. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. 
Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. I think that's so apt because that's what they said over and over and over again. It wasn't anything too crazy. They were just connecting who Jesus was and what he actually did and now how it changes everything. And he says they got really good at sharing that. And that is actually what started the early church. Thousands upon thousands sharing that story. So our excuse of not knowing enough is not what Jesus taught us. He said, go home, share what I've done in your life. You see, this is often tied with the first excuse that I shared. It's the church's job. Now, if I may, let me remind you that uh, the man in the graveyard wanted to travel with Jesus. Possibly because at the time, the greatest job of a believer could have been traveling and teaching with Jesus wherever he went. Now, we don't think much differently today, though, in fact. Because if we want to teach scriptures or share the gospel, we, we think we must be an ordained minister or, or an occupational minister to do it. right? I need to be in a job that focuses on Jesus for me to actually minister. But that is not where Jesus sent him in this text he didn't say, go get trained in theology, know all this and all that. Where did he send him? Home. And he said, share what I have done. We need to realize that if we are believers in Jesus, that we become ministers of a story and faith wherever we go, whoever we are, especially in our homes. And after all, when the churches first began, you can look it up in scriptures, they all started, guess what? in the homes. So when is the last time you shared to your spouse or your kids or your siblings or your grandparents or your grandkids or your cousins, your nephews, nieces, whoever lives with you, that story? Who you were before Christ, when Christ showed up in your life, and what it's done since then. When was the last time you shared how Jesus met you in a place and renewed you? When was the last time that you shared with your kids, your family, your wife, your spouse, your husband, that you were once lost and now found? Found by a man who came, died, and defeated death so that you could live. You don't have to be a proper minister or a pastor. You don't have to have deep scriptural knowledge and training. And yes, it's beneficial, but you don't have to have that. You simply share your story and how Jesus is still rewriting it even to this day. But now let me get to the last excuse that we get to, and probably probably one of the hardest. I'm not good enough. I've done too many bad things in my life. I've hurt or scared too many people. I would only be a bad image of a Christian, and I don't want to be that, so I don't share it at all. And that's why I, I'm afraid to even speak up, because I'm just not good enough. I'll leave that to the church. Listen, I hear you and I want to meet you there. And I appreciate the heart of what you're struggling with if that's what you say. But you're exactly who Christ wants to be sharing this story. Let me remind you that, that every one of us have been naked Joe. Hopefully not literally, right? But we have all been him. Right? Our, in our heads and in our hearts, absolutely, we have been lost and, and, and tormented and afraid and alone. But let me also remind you of Romans 3, 10 through 12. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one, except pastors. No, 
No, no, no, no. Every one of us, guys, me included, we all fall short of the glory of God. We have no excuse. God has stepped into all of our lives who we think we're not worthless. He said, absolutely, that's why I'm here, because I'm here so you see, I see value in you. We all fall short of God's glory, but for the love of the Son of God himself, Jesus, he would find you and me in our misery and share us with his Father so that we would be children of the Creator. I'm not good enough. He is. And I find hope in that. I share this story even in my home today. I share it with my kids when I mess up. And believe me, I mess up. I mess up with my wife, I mess up with my neighbors, I mess up when I had a dog, I would lose my cool on my dog, I would mess up. But I would also remind them, when I mess up, that I'm still on this journey with Jesus. That he's still teaching me. Jesus is still making me whole. My story is not over yet, but he is still writing it. Now this is not the only aspect of not being good enough One of the other aspects is this, that the people around us don't think we're good enough. That's a whole other issue. Some of the very people that we want to share the gospel with in my family or your family, they're the ones that that know the most about us, right? They know the good, the bad, and the ugly of who we are. Now, I've done some bad things with them and against them, perhaps, but I feel like I can't share the gospel at home with them because they know me. Oh, you're that kid, huh? Who's that kid? Where are they at now? You're all high and mighty. And so because we get fearful of that, we step away. You see, most people in this category have the hardest time because of fear and other people not believing change in them. But let me encourage you if I can. Do you not believe it would be difficult for this man that used to be naked and now is not in Scripture, who has seen and been in situations where he literally tormented people? He was tormented himself. He chased people away, living among the pigs and the graveyard, the tombs, all while naked. Do you think that he had a hard time as well looking at them in the face and trying to tell them that God had saved him? They may be afraid that he's going to take off running and attacking people again. I don't know. But he had something that they were curious about because he had changed. They would ask, what happened to you? Aren't you that guy? Yeah. Yeah, I was that guy. I was that guy. And as soon as that question happens, the doors open for the conversation to say, I was that guy. Jesus showed up and my life is different forever. And this is your story and key as well. As people see a newness about you, see a right-mindedness about you, and people say, where did you get that from? What is going on in you? The door is open. You have the chance to say the easiest things. What was wrong, what Jesus did, and what has changed forever. You don't have to know or do anything else. That's the only thing Jesus asked this man to do. Go home. And share these things. You see, that was the simple task Jesus asked of new Joe. Go home. Share what I have done in you. But what is beautiful about this is, this man was faithful in the request. 
In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, it records the same exact story with this piece in Mark 5.20. Says So the man went away and began to proclaim through the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. So not only did he go home, but on his way home, all through the Decapolis, that's, that is ten cities, that's what that word means. All through the ten cities, he shared what was wrong with him, what Jesus did, and what changed. And everyone was amazed by that simple truth. Take it home. Let those in your home have the chance to be amazed by God also. Don't be intimidated. Share what God has done in you, in your home, and let them be amazed there too. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you that you have protected and recorded moments like this in history for us today. That so many of us may think that we're too far away from you that you can step into our life. But the story reminds me there is nothing too far away from you. And I am so thankful that you meet us there. But even more so that you meet us there in such a way that you say, hey, just now go share the story that I showed up in your life. Share the story of who I am. That I gave my life for you so that you don't have to continue to live that way. Thank you, God, for giving us that opportunity as well. Encourage us to take this to our homes and let others be amazed by it also. And we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, Visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.